Pastor Kasulki is pastor. Pastor Patoka is pastor. Pastor Kohler is pastor. Yet they are not three pastors, but one pastor. That sounds ridiculous. It's because it is ridiculous. We're not even remotely close if we try to use something like that to describe the three-in-one God and explain our triune God. You obviously can't just take three things and declare that they are one. How about this? I am an individual person, yet I am husband and father and pastor. Three in one, just like God. Nope. God is not one being who uh, plays three different roles. Maybe this is better. God's like a shamrock. A shamrock has three leaves. But it's just one shamrock. Three in one. Just like God. St. Patrick tried that as he was doing mission work in Ireland. Still, no. <laughs> you can remove the leaf of a shamrock because it's an individual part of the whole. God is one being, but three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, except that they are inseparable. We try to understand, don't we? We, we try to get this straight in our heads. We, we try to come up with a way to, to express what we believe, to, to help somebody else understand, uh, somebody maybe who's new uh, to God or maybe is confused about this part. We, we really try but every time we try to use an illustration, we fail. And we think that some of them are coming pretty close, but none of them work perfectly. They can't. They can't because God is so far above everything else that we can understand. He is unlike anything else that we know. The triune God surpasses understanding. What we can do is listen to God when he tells us about himself. We can believe God when he tells us about himself. We can view God with wonder and awe. We can thank God that, that he, triune God, the one who is beyond all understanding, comes to us and blesses us. These words allow us to do those things today. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If you've been around church for any length of time, you probably know what a benediction is, but it's pretty much just a church word. It's not really used many places outside of this. Many church services, most church services, end with a benediction. Our service today, it's going to end with a benediction too. In fact, if you want to turn to page 16 right now, you can take a look and see the benediction that we're going to use. And we call it a, a benediction. We can call it a blessing. The title we use for it in our worship folder is a blessing. Today, we use the Aaronic blessing, named for Aaron, Moses' brother, the priest to whom God said, put these words on my people. The Aaronic blessing. Don't linger on that page. Turn back now because we're going to concentrate on this blessing that's before us today. 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is the apostolic blessing. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. He wrote them in a letter to Christians who lived in the city of Corinth. So, wrote it at the end of a letter, not spoken at the end of a service. Today, as we think about what's in this Trinitarian blessing, you're going to have to admit that this is much bigger, much more important than a, simply a closer that we use before we go out for cookies and coffee in the courtyard. Much bigger than this. I want you to picture in your mind a terrorist. The picture that you're starting to form in your mind is probably different from the one that the person near you uh, is picturing in their mind. Maybe for you, you have the picture of, of one of those uh, 42 that are listed on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list. Someone like uh, Abdullah Shair Khan with his uh, kafia wrapped around his head. Or maybe you're thinking of a man on a, on a flight with a flight attendant right in front of him with his arm wrapped around her neck. Then again, maybe you're thinking of a woman. If you were to scan the photos on that list, seven women appear on that list of terrorists. You realize, don't you, that the man that we call the Apostle Paul was a terrorist? The very mention of his name struck fear into people's hearts as he went from place to place, rooting out Christians, dragging them off and having them imprisoned just for their faith. The Bible tells us that he breathed out murderous threats toward the disciples. He stood there and watched while Stephen was murdered simply for having faith in Christ. He went by the name Saul at that time. You might understand then how a man like this could appreciate Jesus wiping his sinful slate clean, forgiving him for every heinous act that he had ever done, truly turning his life around 180 degrees, making him uh, the person who is likely the greatest proclaimer of Christ this world has ever known, then using him to write some of the most beautiful, reassuring verses about grace in the Bible. That Jesus would do that, rather than just obliterating him, well, that is grace. Grace is undeserved love. Paul deserved God's anger and eternal punishment. What he got instead was God's love and eternal life. We should think of the perfect life of Jesus lived because sinners like Paul, sinners like us, can't live without offending God. It's who we are. Terrorist or not, we're all the same before a holy God. We've all failed to meet his standard of perfection. And we should think of the cross, the place where Jesus went, in order to sacrifice his perfection for the sins of the world, our sins. And we should think of an empty burial tomb, vacant, because Jesus rose from death and he left it. All of these things Jesus did because of grace, because he loves us even though we don't deserve it. If you um, 
write these words of this blessing, this benediction, uh, in a note to someone, or, or you type it in an email to them, or if one of us stands up here and we speak these words uh, to all of you, what we're really saying is that we want the love of Jesus to be with that person or with these people. So when we hear it in church, it's not a signal that we're about done in this room. It's much more than that. We should give it a, a momentary thought that the undeserved love of Jesus has touched me and it continues to touch me. What a blessing it is to hear about grace in the benediction. How much do you love your cat or your agile pet of another kind? If it made its way up onto the roof of your apartment or the roof of your house, would you climb up, climb up there after it? And if it was about to jump from the peak to the ground, would you fly after it to try to save it when you know you might fall to your death? No. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Because no matter how much you love your kitty, you're not going to sacrifice yourself. You would, you would not give your life or the life of somebody else, especially on purpose, to save a cat. Among the several Greek words that um, the, the Bible uses for love, there's one that speaks of a, a self-sacrificing love. And some of you know that word. It's, it's agape. We don't have any, an agape love to the extreme for our animals. You wouldn't sacrifice yourself for them, no matter how cute they are. And you might think that the almighty, eternal, holy, holy, holy God would never give himself up to save sinners who are not nearly as cute in God's eyes as a kitten is in our eyes. But God's agape love for us is seen in his sacrifice for us. What did he do? How did he sacrifice for us? He sent his son into the world. He sent his son into the world to live and die for sinful human beings. He watched as his son took on humanity. He watched as his son uh, bore the weight of humanity's sins. He watched as his son died for humanity. What was that like for the father? I have no idea, and neither do you. We can't even understand the three-in-one nature of God. How would we ever understand the emotions and the feelings of God? But what I do know, because the Bible says, is that God did this and he does these things out of love for us. And that giving from God hasn't stopped. Every day we enjoy uh, blessings that he gives to us out of love. And if you're not in the habit of doing so already, I recommend that, that every day you spend some time reviewing the good things that, that God has given to you, that you have to be thankful for only because of God. Every day ought to have a little thanksgiving in it. 
the love of God is so big that he saved us and that he continues to give us hundreds and hundreds of good things. One of the blessings in the benediction is we get to hear quickly about the love of God. And in that brief second, it can flash in our minds how amazing it is that God would make sacrifices for me. Sacrifices I can't begin to understand. I can't understand the Trinity. I can't understand how and why. God would stoop down to save me and to give me good things. But I believe that that's true because he tells me it is. The Holy Spirit is the one who brought us into fellowship with God. Through the words, through the promises of the gospel, the Holy Spirit gave us the faith to believe in God's love shown in Jesus. He did that to join us to God when we were far removed from God because of our sin. As a result of that, being brought into fellowship with God, you and I go through life with a confidence that we're loved by God. And we trust that he's with us at all times. And we have this, this peace in our hearts that, that influences everything about our day. And it's a peace that, that we have that knows that we are going to be together, have fellowship with God in a, a totally new and perfect way when we're in heaven. You've likely felt the closeness that comes when a group of people is united by a specific thing. There's the, the bond with others in a musical group, or maybe it's the, the people that you have rehearsed a, a play with over and over so that you could put it on. Or it's a team where you've practiced and practiced and then you've enjoyed the challenges and the joys of the games together. Or maybe it's your family who has forged that, that love over time and through a lot of different experiences. Many of us, most of us, I think, have experienced that with our church family. We have the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in common. We share an understanding about the love of God. We've experienced the love of God together in all sorts of ways. This is the other part of the blessing of the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit blesses us with people who share an understanding of God's word, who support each other in a way that, that is consistent with the, the way that God expects his people to live. That fellowship is seen when we bear each other's burdens in time of grief and sorrow. It's seen in our happiness and our joy when we celebrate things with others like a, a baptism and a confirmation or a, a wedding. Even in regular everyday things, as we see everything, everything through the, the lens of Christian faith, which sees the hand of God working in even those regular everyday things. Our fellowship formed by the Holy Spirit is also evident as we do the things that Paul um, talks about here at the end of his letter. He says, agree with one another, be at peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. God's peace lives in us. It lives through us as we appreciate the, and live the fellowship that we have because of the Holy Spirit. 
The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's said in just a, a couple seconds, but what a benediction blessing it is if we let that word fellowship just linger for a, just a second in our ears and in our hearts. I encourage you to remember these benediction blessings. Our triune God gives us these things. The benediction is brief, but it's packed with the promises of grace and love and fellowship. God's gifts to you and to me. Amen.